Welcome to episode number 26 of the Dan Time Podcast. I am your host, Dan McArdle. Thanks for plugging some Dan Time into your morning, your evening, your drive time, your daily run, however you consume this show. I appreciate you, my friend, and I don't care what they say about you. You're all right with me. I hope you checked out last week's episode with San Francisco-based indie pop singer-songwriter Daniela Galasso. I love what Danielle is doing. The message that she's putting out there with her current single, Wait, about unconditional love and her unique style and substance in her song catalog. If, let's say, you or someone you love or like or work with is a Taylor Swift fan, tell them about Daniela Galasso. Also, if you like the Breakfast Club movie or the soundtrack, listen to Daniela's cover of Don't You Forget About Me. I was really impressed with Danny, and I can't wait to see what she's got coming out next. Remember, you can follow Daniela at SoundsLikeDanny, D-A-N-I dot com, and at SoundsLikeDanny on social media. What do you think when you hear about a tribute band? Now, depending on where you live, you may have gone out one night to see a Nirvana tribute act, maybe Fleetwood Mac, Van Halen, The Beatles, Bob Marley, just naming a few. Who are some of the the best ones you've seen? Or have you ever been blown away by one of these performers? How have you felt when you saw a tribute band for, let's say, your all-time favorite band? Did they stack up? Well, my favorite band since I was 16 years old is Metallica. So the good thing about being a fan of a long-established, chart-topping powerhouse there's probably a tribute band out there trying to represent them in a live setting. However, it's not often you find a group of musicians who actually claim to be a note-for-note album-quality version of the band, let alone back it up night after night, year after year. That is exactly what the Four Horsemen are doing and have been doing for the past 17 years. Comprised of founding member... Sean Perry on vocals and rhythm guitar, Drew Pencook on drums, Luke Kunkel on lead guitar, and Alec Wolf on bass, the Four Horsemen are billed as, quote, the only album-quality Metallica tribute band on the planet. My guest today is Sean Perry. Sean answers the question, why? Why would you choose to do this? Why go out there and perform someone else's songs? The episode you're about to hear was recorded Friday, January 26th, backstage at Vinyl Music Hall here in Pensacola, Florida. I met with Sean shortly after sound check, and you know, you never know what to expect in these situations. This was the first time we'd met, so he could have said, listen, I got five minutes. I got eight minutes exactly, and then we kind of wrap it up. Uh, or it could have gone completely different, which it did. So Sean said, hey, come on, follow me. We took an took an elevator upstairs and sat down, shot the breeze for a few minutes, and I realized this is just a regular guy who has a very unique talent and drive to do this despite all obstacles. And we'll get to some of those in this episode. As you start to understand, those can really multiply the obstacles for any touring band. His back was really giving him trouble from an unplanned accident trying to uh, hoist his lead guitarist, as I understand it, a couple weeks prior. And that was very apparent. He was in some pain. 
And they were in Akron, Ohio the day before. Here they are on the Gulf Coast of Florida. And after they play that night, they're heading 11 or 12 hours to the Colony, Texas, to play the following night. And I'd seen their performance two years ago at this venue, so I knew what they promised, and I had witnessed them deliver on that promise. And I'm thinking, in this obvious pain, uh, how is he about to get up on stage in a couple hours and kick it into high gear again? How? Sean struck me as a guy who treats the moment with a lot of respect. He's present. If he's talking to you for these few minutes or these couple hours, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And he gives his full attention. And as you're about to see, I did not anticipate how powerful our conversation was going to be. Sean shares a story with me about his troubled childhood, never before shared in public. His story is going to leave a mark on you. So I got to give a shout here to the whole band. Drew is just a monster behind the kit. Sean was telling me about him before the episode, how he is meticulous in picking out even the smallest details in these songs. He was simply incredible on the opener of Disposable Heroes, and you could hear the crowd reacting to his thundering double bass. Luke and Alec, their playing was spectacular. Luke's solos, my gosh. But the fun that those guys have on stage, goofing around with each other, you could see it. They're running around, swapping mic positions, Luke just looking like he's having the time of his life and really connecting with the audience. It was something very special to behold. At one point, you could see a dad holding up his young daughter so she could see the guys during one of the songs. She must have been six, seven, eight years old. I could tell during the song that Sean got a big kick out of it, and he said something uh, to the dad and the little girl after the song. He talks about in this episode, how special it is for him to recognize the kids who come to these shows and to take pictures with them, take time out with them, and make memories for them. He was all about making it a fun and special night for everyone there, which it was. Whether you're a Metallica fan like me, or you're not really into this style of music, but you want to hear about a guy who's been all the way down and all the way out and climbed his way back, you're in the right place. Folks, from the Four Horsemen, the world's only album-quality tribute to Metallica, it is Sean Perry time. Sean, thank you so much for your time tonight to make an appearance here. You're out on the road nonstop, taking this, probably in some cases, to the unsuspecting masses. They don't often see a a tribute act that is truly worth their salt. Before I continue rambling, just thanks for being here. Thanks for appearing on the podcast. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to talk with you guys. And, uh, you know, it it is something that you you put a lot of labor into. It's a labor of love, like a lot of guys would probably tell you that are out there on the road. I mean, you know, we get all walks of people that come to our shows, and a lot of people are like, "Why, why why would you do someone else's music? You know, and I'm like, well, because... I used to be a person who would go to Metallica tribute shows and Motley Crue shows, you know, all these cheaper, much, much cheaper shows that go see a tribute. And I, I got upset because the music wasn't being played properly. And it was one of those things where, I, you know, I'm a musician myself. I put three albums out when I was in my 20s. And after that, I just kind of laid back in the scene and would just watch other bands do their thing. And I was like, 
just not very happy with it. And I was like, you know, maybe I could do something like this. And so 2007, I started. And um, now when people ask me why I do it, I said, because it's bigger than me. It's it's spreading joy. People want and need joy in their lives. And, and a lot of people go to entertainment of some form or another, movies, music, uh, plays, whatever, you know. And, and so um, that's what I feel I am. I'm just an entertainer that's spreading joy. So I'm going to keep going and we're going to keep building and make it. I mean, it's pretty big now, but there's a lot of things in the works now that uh, this year is going to be a big transitional year for us, so we're pretty excited. Well, I'm really excited for you. I saw you once before in 2022, and a few years prior, I saw a, a Metallica tribute band. I won't say where, and I won't mention their names, but uh, some of my listeners can relate to this. If you've gone to see a tribute performance for any band, and it's just a fun night. You know, at best, it's just you had a good time. Oh, that was fun seeing somebody do their spin on your favorite songs. Um, and so that's all it was. And it was maybe even a little underwhelming, but I just didn't sulk on it too much. When I saw The Four Horsemen, which I probably didn't even say Sean Perry, the uh, lead vocalist and guitarist for The Four Horsemen, the only album quality Metallica tribute, you guys blew me away. I read about what you did, uh, what you do before I went to the show, and I thought, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, if they're going to proclaim this, I have to go. This is my favorite band. And you just blew the roof off the place. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled that you're dedicated to your craft after all these years. And like you were saying, and like I, I talk about on this podcast, Whatever you're out there doing, I think we all have a responsibility, if we can, to use our talents to help other people, to maybe be relatable to other people, to bring joy. There are things about heavy metal music that it doesn't click with everybody. Some people can't get into the sound, the volume, uh, the lyrical content in some, in some cases, but man, it works for a lot of us, and I'm, I'm one included. It has spoken to people, and it's helped people through some very difficult times. And for you guys to go note for note on some of these songs, you're really out there changing lives because you're playing Fade to Black. You're playing Sanitarium. Even songs like Battery have special meanings to people, and uh, that's got to bring you great joy. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these songs, you don't know which song's going to relate to who, how. When I was a kid, I was a big ACDC guy, uh, just hard rock really sung to me. Nazareth was another kind of Brian Johnson style vocal uh, before he was even doing it in ACDC. And I was, I was just, I couldn't believe, you know, Hair of the Dog and uh, Beggar's Day, Whiskey Drinking Woman. I was like, I love that raspy, growly voice and stuff. So when I heard ACDC, I, I, I just, it was a magnet, you know, I had to get the albums and all that. And then one of my friends was walking down the street one day blasting sanitarium, and I, I didn't know what it was. I was up in my attic drawing some pictures, and I ran downstairs, and I'm screaming at him because he had a big boombox next to his ear while he's walking in the middle of my mom's street, right? And I'm like, dude, stop, stop, stop. He finally stopped, and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, it's fucking Metallica. And I'm like... I don't even know what Metallica is, dude, but can I borrow your cassette? Because I've got a high-speed dub recorder, and he's like, no, get your own, you know? And he walks off, and I'm like, I don't even know the name of the song, because I didn't know it was Sanitarium at the time. I just heard the song, that one. And I was like, 
okay, so all I know is it's Metallica. I don't know the name of the song. I don't know the name of the album. So I had to go to the store and by process of elimination, buying different ones when I had enough money to go back and get another one, you know, I found that song and I was like, wow, this really changed the ball game for me. But in the meantime, I started learning about Creeping Death and, you know, uh, Metal Militia off of Kill em All. It was just like these really crazy songs. I'm like, nobody's playing like this. This is this is new. This is totally groundbreaking stuff for when we were kids. You know, there was no internet. There was, I mean, there weren't even any pagers. God, I remember my mom got a freaking microwave and it was like a thousand dollars, you know? So there was, there was no way to get that music back done unless somebody had it on a tape or, or a record. And that's how I started discovering things. And it totally changed my mindset. So, you know, my father was a drummer and a singer. And he always told me, he says, if you ever are lucky enough to get in a band and you go out and you actually perform for people and you expect to be paid, don't ever half-ass it. You give it everything you've got because they paid and those people deserve to be entertained for their money. I don't care if it's five bucks. So I've always kept that in me that don't ever let down the audience. Give it everything you've got. Like... I've played with a broken foot. I've played when I've been kicked out of my own house. I have played when my fiance left me the night before. I have played with the flu. And tonight I'll be playing with an extremely sore back because I heard it being stupid 12 days ago and it still hasn't healed. But you do what you have to do because I'm not going to cancel the show. These people have waited. They have anticipated they are excited. I see it on our Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And they're just like, I can't wait for you guys to come down. I'm like, okay, had a flat tire twice today. Had to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and get myself one of them little cobalt air compressors. I'm like, I, we're not missing this fucking show. I don't care. We were an hour late to get here. And I'm like, I don't care. We're, we're going to make it happen. Tomorrow we got to drive. Well, tonight we have to drive over 10 hours to get to the Colony, Texas for tomorrow's show. And we're going to do it because people need it. People want it, they expect it, and when you see that joy out there, when you see people singing along, I don't care if it's my music or if it's someone else's, if you're an entertainer and you see that joy out there, it just warms your heart, and it's like, this is bigger than me. I have to do this. They they need it. We need it. You know, it's therapy for all of us. You know, I, I came from a very broken home, very, I'll just call it abusive, and um, back then there was no social workers. There was no number to call if you're were having, you know, problems with uh, beatings and all that shit. You just dealt with it, right? And so I was a real screwed up kid and music was my escape. And I was very poor through all the way through my 30s. So I barely ever got to go to a show. But when I got to go to the show, it was everything to me. So I remember how I felt when I got to go to the show. And that's what I tell myself. Those people out there might need this. And it might be the only show they could afford this month. You get your ass there and you give them everything you got. That's my philosophy. Beautifully spoken there. You talk about Pensacola, Florida. There are people who live in this area. They work hard every day. Some of them might be working six days a week. So it's not quite possible to go to Atlanta and see Metallica. May not be in the budget to go to New Orleans and see Metallica. Uh, as much as they'd want to, or even people like me who I have seen Metallica play before, I don't feel like I need to go see the band um, to be fulfilled again. I've seen them a lot. And I think what you're bringing to people, like you said, is that anticipation, that joy. 
uh, people listening to this, it's one thing about what critics say, but go to the Facebook page for the venue in your town that the Four Horsemen are playing in a few weeks and just see what people are commenting. You can look at the Vinyl Music Halls page. And so, yeah, you're you're providing this outlet. And, man, going to live concerts, it's all about a feeling and an emotion. So if you spent 20 to 40 or 50 bucks, you know, you had a couple drinks or something and you had a good time and you ate downtown, you really might go back home with the same thrill that you had if you spent, and I don't, I don't want to discourage anybody from seeing Metallica if it's in the bank for you, but man, I had such a, such a phenomenal time two years ago seeing the Four Horsemen, and it's because of the dedication to excellence, as they describe on their website, that they're just not going to sell it short. They're not going to let anything stop them from getting to these gigs and whatever the day's been like. Like you said, I can't believe the, the fiancé situation and you're still up there playing the songs. And to keep the guys together and to have the buy-in from everybody in the band. Yeah. It, it It's definitely hard when you have three, four other personalities that you deal with. And um, sometimes, I mean, today we were testing each other's nerves, you know, because things were going wrong. And it's not just here. There's, you know, we all have home lives as well. And there's things that go wrong at home. And then sometimes you can't compartmentalize it and it comes out on the road even, you know. Today was one of them days where it's like everything's going wrong with... I got to get to this show, and then there was things going on at home with another member, and it's like, all right, you know, we're, we're we got to get back to what we're supposed to be doing here. But the dedication to it is is like I said, you know, you've got people out there that want to be entertained, and they don't just want and expect it; they paid for it. I don't want people to go home disappointed, and I want to hear, you know, if I if I go to a Metallica show, I've only seen Metallica in '91 when they. We're on the Black Album Tour, right? Richfield Coliseum, I think it was November 91. I was, oh God, like 16 years old or something like that. And it was incredible. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. James was spitting and drinking beer and spitting the beer out at the people and mother this and everything. And I was like, wow, these guys are still, even at the, the, the that album was pinnacle for them, right? They went from selling like 500 to 750,000 copies to 12 million when that album came out. It changed the game. They blew Def Leppard off the stage. Tesla, uh, all, all of the Motley Crue, all the bands got just decimated in their wake when the Black Album came out. So they established themselves as like a legend, basically. You know, it's like watching. Elton John or the Beatles or Led Zeppelin, right? That's they got that status in '91, and I got to see them live in '91, and it was piss and vinegar. And I was like, if that's when I wrote my three albums, I played like that on stage, just angry, pissed off, and I wasn't angry at people. It's just you give people that energy of a metal show. If Garth Brooks did that, it would be like weird. Like, what are you doing? And Brad Paisley is like, well, he's over here like giving demon eyes at his fans while he's singing about losing his truck and his car and his wife and his house. It doesn't really, it doesn't convey well with a country or any other feel, but metal, you can do that. And people understand and they give you those horns or I've had crowds just flipping us off all night. And But it was a respect, like 
you know, it was like the FU type of thing that metal people have. And, and I thought some of these people were mad, but then I see them clapping and, and whistling after the shows. I'm like, all right, they're having fun. This is just our metal community, a bunch of brothers and sisters getting together and having the camaraderie, the energy that, that happens when you're at a really fun show. So that, you know, you try to remember that stuff. Cause like I said before, I, I, I very, um, poor through, throughout my thirties. And I just, uh, I cut all my hair off. I went back to school I put my guitar away for years cause I wanted to eat. It was that bad that I lost my house. I lost a car. I lost a fiance at that point and it was, it was just a bad, bad situation. So I just said, music is not going to work. I need something else. So I went back to school, got an IT degree blah 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 and this band approached me about they lost their singer and you know could I sing and play guitar and I said well yeah I used to be in this band in Cleveland and they said oh my god you're you, that's your band I'm like yeah and I'm like they, we have all your albums I'm like oh my god <laughs> really what a small world <laughs> so I said yeah you know maybe I could do this on the side and then it just that itch you know I, I seen the people just phenomenal energy out in the crowd. I was like, this is a passion. Doing IT is great. It it changed my life. It, it taught me how to work a business, build a business, right? Because I actually formed my own company. And I did that for like, oh God, a dozen years. Made a lot more money than I do in the music industry, I can tell you that. But the passion wasn't there. I, I yeah, I'm good at fixing servers and emails and, and you know all, all the crap that goes with working on a domain system for Microsoft Networks but there's no passion with that when I'm out here and we're playing and the people are out there having fun I'm like this this is why I wake up in the morning this is what I'm supposed to do sometimes it's not always about the money people think oh man you're a rock star and all this crap and I'm like I'm just like anybody else man my back hurts my feet hurt uh, sometimes, you, you know, things go sideways in your life and you get problems, car trouble, house trouble, women trouble, whatever, you know. We're still human beings. You only see one aspect. You see us on the stage. But, you know, when you talk with somebody like this on a sit down and you get to, you know, before the tape is running, you get to hear a little bit of the life and you're like, oh, yeah, he is kind of like, like me. You know, we all are. We all are. And, and I don't, I'll never be snotty. I'll never put my nose up. I'm very friendly. At the end of the shows, we always try to shake hands, take pictures, give hugs. Uh, I love seeing the little kids in the audience. You know, I'll throw a pick at them or a little wristband thing or something and just try and make it special for them because they're, they're the future of music, you know. They're the future of everything. And, and I want them to remember because I went to Metallica when I was 16. They have no idea that I even existed. When I see kids in our audience, I make a point to point at them, to say hello to them, wave to them while we're playing and make them smile. So I, I love that. And I don't have kids of my own, but I thought, man, that's a cool dad or a cool mom to bring your kid out to a Metallica show because I'm swearing. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a good time, though. Everybody understands. I've never had a parent come up to me and say, you need to clean up your act. I'm like, no, they understand. They're bringing their kid to a 1980s Metallica experience. So we have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I was listening a little bit to the... Um, Stand Up and Shout podcast episode that you appeared on. And one thing you said about, um, you know, everyone's kind of plugged into their phones. They're uh, saying, hey, man, you're talking to your friend. Watch this video of this band that I love. You're going to love this performance. And you show it to your friend or you watch something and you're like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. Let me tell you something. And you expressed it better than I am right now. 
when you're watching the Four Horsemen, a clip on YouTube, I mean, that gives you a little preview. There is nothing like coming to the venue. Uh, hopefully, they're hitting a town n- near you and just feeling the, the Marshall stack. And uh, those kids, when you see the look on their face, they've never uh, felt this power and, and heard these Metallica songs that they've been, you know, I remember being 16 and stuff like Whiplash was only one or two years new to me. And I was just, th- I mean, it was just like changing. Uh, it was just uh, such a big deal. But when you hear it live. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you, you can watch any band on YouTube and it is so one-dimensional. There's no energy coming off of that monitor or your little phone or your tablet, whatever it is. And I tell people, I'm like, if you're sitting at your house eating some nachos and you're getting crumbs on your shirt, watching your little phone, and you're watching the next big act on the phone, you're not jumping up and down. You're like, wow, you're not clapping, you're not cheering because there's no energy sitting at home watching your phone have life while you have no life. I love that people are getting out to the shows again. People are starting to get off of these stupid digital enslaving machines and come out to a real show. And they're like, my God, I saw you on YouTube and it's nothing like what it's like to be in your audience. And I said, because most of those YouTube videos are cell phone. They're one dimensional. You're not getting the full spectrum of audio for one. Even our own promo, I've spent over $12,000 making that. There's some professional audio video on our our, uh, YouTube page. Promo stuff, right? There's a Master of Puppets song, the full one. There's a Fight Fire with Fire full one. And there's a couple little two-minute promo thingies, whatever. They don't even convey... I mean, it's nice. It's kind of exciting to watch those because there's a lot of different camera angles and whatnot. But if you're not in that audience, you're still not getting the full Monty of what it's like to actually stand there and feel the electricity coming through your toes all the way out the follicles on your head. It's electrifying to be in the audience. And I've had so many people tell me, I I saw you on YouTube, but this is, oh, my God, it's like it doesn't even compare. And I'm like, that's right. Remember the feeling of being in a live setting. No matter what band, it, I'm not talking like it's just my band. It's any band. Go out. People, whoever's listening to this now, live your life. Not on a phone, not on a tablet, not on a PC. Get out and really smell those flowers. Really go out and have that bike walk or bike ride or the jog or whatever. Don't do the Peloton. Go out and live your actual life. It is, it's so amazing to get out and see the sun and actually feel the heat on your body rather than watching it on a movie, yeah. you know, anything in life. You ever go to lunch when you're on the road and you see like that old guy that's he's in his 70s or 80s maybe, and he's just sitting there eating his lunch, looking at the scenery, looking out the window. He's not conditioned to using cell phones. He never will. And I ask like my brother and some buddies, I'm like, guys, are we going to be cradling these these devices when we're like old uh back neck neck muscles ever right and then the rest of your body will be falling apart except your thumbs yep. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're right i mean uh just the concert experience when you when you go to a show and especially an, an intimate club setting this is my favorite venue or the favorite type of venue and you're just around other people and you're you're seeing something like two guys that are clearly 
good buddies, and they're looking at each other with these huge grins on their faces as Seek and Destroy, like the opening chords of Seek and Destroy, are blasting to the speakers. Or, you know, you just, you're looking at the T-shirts, the way that other people are moving around. Like you said, you don't get that just um, taking this on. Not at home. You'll, you'll never feel that at home. I don't care. You could be your favorite all-time band. It could be Paul McCartney. Like my manager, his favorite all-time musician is Paul McCartney. You put Paul McCartney on YouTube or you put Paul McCartney right in front of him and watch the different reactions. It's, it's, very, it's night and day. And it should be. And that's why I tell people, get out. Take your kids out. Get them off the Nintendo and whatever else. These stupid games, all they're doing is wasting their time. They could be learning something. They could be out exploring life. Like when we were kids, you know, you go out and you you come back when the when the streetlights came on. Right. That's the kind of society that we all should get back into. Enjoy your life. Don't watch somebody else play a video game. Like these, these YouTube gamer people. I, I know young kids who actually just sit on YouTube watching someone else play a video game. And I'm like, that's insane. You are absolutely wasting your life. You could be doing something with your life. I don't care if it's learning how to build a freaking fire in the Boy Scouts. Go do something actually real that you're benefiting from. Oh, but I like watching that. I'm like, yeah. And by, you know, you're also working your way towards diabetes, drinking your, you know, your Cokes and your, and your muffins and your cakes and candies. And while you watch it every day, get out, get some exercise, you know, just live your life, get out there and, and do what, you know, do the things that we all should be doing. We're human beings. We are not a wall. We're not a chair. We shouldn't be, um, immobile all day on these stupid phones and whatnot. So you're right. I, I don't want to be one of those guys that goes to the grave looking down because I'm always on my stupid little tablet or whatever. Right. So it's like, I love traveling like this. I hate the drives. Uh, The drives can be a pain, but I love traveling around and, and hearing people's stories. Like some people come up to us and they want to tell us about the first time they ever saw Metallica or they say, Hey, this is my, eight-year-old son it's his first metallica concert and then that you got me like i'm i'm butter on a freaking frying pan at that point because i i kneel down and i'm like dude you know what's your favorite song what's your name did you have fun tonight and we get pictures with them you know i and a lot of times if you bring your kid up to me and i have a beer in my hand and you want a picture your kid's holding my beer (laughs) and i want you to show that to his friends (laughs) and they're like and one of my fun things that I do for, because a lot of dads will bring their kids, right? And like, oh, I'm going to bring my kid, right? And and so I say, well, here, hold my beer. And we take a picture. And I said, now, when you go home, your mom's going to get pissed that you're drinking beer. And you just tell her, say, mom, I didn't have any beer. I only did shots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love to have fun with the kids, though. I love seeing the kids. They're great. Man, you guys have been all over, all over the map here, Baltimore, Buffalo, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, recently been in Cleveland. I mean, just a couple nights ago uh, or a couple weeks ago, New Orleans, and here we are, Pensacola, back on the road. But like you said, these encounters probably make it all worth it. And I did mention at the top of the episode, but you guys are what you call a black and back tribute. And and I love that, where you don't keep it so open-ended that you have people saying, well, why didn't you play... Uh, now that we're dead, why? Why? Uh, I love, you know, my apocalypse. You guys should definitely play that one. So I think you made the right call, and it, it really—that's what most people probably want to hear. I think that you're getting some of those 
load reload era request and there's some pretty good songs a couple good cuts in those albums um how is that evolving are you guys oh uh yeah you're right the um black and back format was something that i coined probably in 2009 or 10 um because when the band the original uh lineup of people that wanted me to do this they're long gone from now but uh I told him, I said, I only like these five albums. And it's no disrespect. At the time that people have to understand, like I was 16 when the Black Album came out, right? And before the Black Album, it was just thrash metal. I abandoned all hope for radio. Like radio was blasphemy to me. I was like, no, I know what, what band, I like Scorpions, I like Boston, I like Journey, all that stuff, right? But it was like, now there's thrash metal in my blood and I need to seek out more bands that do this. So I was on a tear, like you, I have to find this. So when the black album came out, it was marketed heavily as, you know, this is going to be the pinnacle of Metallica type of release. And it was, it, it was heavy, hard rock. I wanted thrash. I still liked it because every song still had an element of that, pissiness that that grit right it, it they still had we're still metallica type of attitude right and i was like okay i i do like this album i really do but it wasn't until 1996 that they released load and lars was out there marketing this as the heaviest album metallica has ever put out to date would be this next album load and i was hyped i'm like you know what the day that hits the shelves, I'm in the record store and I'm getting me a CD. Because I had just gotten a five carousel disc yeah. changer, right? And I'm like, okay, now I have to replace all my cassettes with CDs. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, this, this date came. I was not a radio listener. And people are like, well, how did you not know? They were playing tracks on the radio. I'm like, the radio was garbage to me. I did not have a radio. I had a CD player. And I heard that Metallica was releasing Load. I'm like, this is my band. I'm getting this album. I grabbed the album. I popped it in. And as a 21-year-old still coursing with thrash in his veins, I was like, oh, I can't wait to rip the cellophane off this and get this in my player. Put it in the player. And I think, I don't know if it was Ain't My Bitch, I think was like the first song, right? And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, he's like, Ain't My Bitch. And I was like, what was that? And like his vocals sounded almost country twangy, right? So I'm like, okay, that may just been an offshoot. Keep going. And I'm listening to the song and I'm like, this format is totally different. This is not thrash. I thought he said this was going to be the heaviest album to date. So I skip forward on the next song and then I skip forward on the next song and I skip forward on the next song and I'm like, oh my God. This is not what I was expecting. And I got, now remember, I was 21 at the time. I was pissed. I opened the carousel. I took the CD. I whipped it across the room. I was in my basement and it hit a pole and it shattered. <laughs> and then my birthday, my brother brought the cassette over for my birthday and he said, Hey, I bought you in the new Metallica. And I said, Take it with you or it'll end up like my CD. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? I said, have you heard it? That's not thrash. And I was upset. Now, I'm in my 40s now, and I understand bands change. James has said, 
we're not going to write the same damn song for 40 years. I understand that now. But you couldn't explain that to a 21-year-old me. I was pissed. So I said, screw this. I'm done. So Black and Back became my fight song. Black and Back became what I, like when you say you're a Metallica fan, I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you like? Like one, Enter Sandman. Because we were like, we like yeah. Motor Breath, and you probably don't even know what album that's on, right? You know, yeah. we were like, you're a poser, <laughs> especially if it was chicks. <laughs> right, right. So we had a we, we, the Metallica fan base kind of like it became a, a, a snake's tongue where we had that fork in the road, you know, and I was like, Dad, I'm thrash. Yeah. And all these other guys, they're posers. But you get kids from that time. Their first song was Until It Sleeps. And Until It Sleeps was their fight song. It was, holy crap, this is Metallica, right? And I've had so many people message me over the last couple of years even saying, I understand that you're black and back, but you have to understand I'm way younger. And that Load album was the first experience I had. And so now I'm thinking, oh, I'm alienating people because I was being selfish. And I talked with our new manager about it, and he said, I think you guys need to include some things beyond black. And I've had a hard time with that. But I'm coming around to it, and I said, we still have a very hardcore fan base that wants to hear Dyer's Eve, Damage Incorporated, Eye of the Beholder, Motor Breath, Escape, things trapped under ice, jump in the fire, things that no other band can do. And if they tried, they're not going to do it the way we do it, right? So I'm like, okay, I now when I formulate my set list, I know I have to put a lot of hits in there because you're going to get the casual Metallica fan, right? You're always going to get that one that says, well, I don't know all these deep cut songs. And I'm like, well, I'm educating you tonight. But you still are going to get to hear some of the songs that you like. But you also are going to go home with a new respect of, wow, Metallica actually had stuff before Load. Uh, right, right. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's more of like, okay, I'm teaching the newer school people to listen to the old school stuff that we all grew up on. But I'm also allowing myself to say, Load and Reload, there's, there's some quality hard rock songs. It's not thrash. James didn't write it as thrash. He knows that. We know that. And I have to learn to accept that and just say, look, it's a good song. If it's a good, solid Metallica song, we're probably going to look and explore it and maybe even surprise some people with it in 2024. So, I don't know. Hang on to your hats. (laughs) Really exciting stuff, though. I mean, I can see where the average fan that hears about the Four Horsemen coming to their town and they they love Metallica. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go. I'd love to go hear Fade to Black and Sad But True and For Whom the Bell Tolls. It, this would be a lot of fun. And they go in there, and, wow, they're hearing, like you said, Dyer's Eve, Battery, Damage Inc. Some of these get mixed around night to night, but you guys aren't letting up. These technically challenging songs, it's not like, well, we'll do a couple of them. Uh, we'll, we'll do the two or three to appease the, the real old-school Metallica heads, but... Uh, well, uh, you know, it's a cornucopia when it comes to Metallica. You've got slow 
awesome songs in the old stuff. You have fast, awesome songs in the old stuff. And you've got people of all tastes who want to hear a variety of of those songs. And, you know, I don't always hit everybody's request in every show. That I can't. But I do try to make sure that it's a variety, you know. So if we don't do Dyer's Eve that one night, we might do Damaging in replace of that, you know. So I do, or, or Blackened, right? But you're, you're going to hear a surprise or two or three or four. And even some of the songs like like Fade to Black, that was a big standout performance when I saw the Four Horsemen in 2022 here at this venue. Uh, the way that that solo was performed, the note, uh, note for note dedication, I can still just picture your guitar, your lead guitarist. His name is Luke. And uh, yeah, uh, Fade, I will give you guys a little insight on fade to black i mentioned when we were kids there was no social services and stuff like that i was uh, i'm not going to say a victim but i was subjected to abuse mental and physical in a single parent upbringing right and um you get depressed um and i i did i really i would mentally take myself out of my life and when I put that music on live the words of these songs and it's not just Metallica it was any song that sung to me lyrically because I'm, I'm very oriented in the words the story that a lyricist is trying to convey right and so when Fade to Black when I heard those lyrics I was just like this this is my life I unfortunately was suicidal and it was so bad that I was just like, I just want to end it. Like my mother doesn't even care that I exist. And that hurts when you're a little kid. Um, so when, when I heard fade to black, when I got the ride to lightning cassette, I was big into drawing pictures when I was young. I've never told anybody this public. And I can't even believe I'm going to say this now, but, um, I still have the drawings where I was drawing myself being hung, shot, stabbed, and by every one of them, there's a verse of Fade to Black. So Fade to Black, to me, people would say the lyrics are negative. They're, they're horrible. They're, it's a person who wants to die. I'm like, yeah, but you got to understand, some of us identify with that, and we pressed on despite that feeling of utter just loneliness and emptiness and no one wants me and why doesn't my mom love me type of stuff and I just you know it 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 hurts sometimes to talk about it but I I I got past it I'm still alive there's uh, there's other kids where their parents unfortunately ended their lives so I don't look at myself and say oh woe is me I'm like no the the kids that really mattered are the ones who parents snuffed their lives out I made it out Somehow I made it out, not unscathed, not unscarred. But when I play Fade to Black, those lyrics, it's so emotional for me because sometimes I get flashbacks when I'm playing on stage, you know, of, of being a kid. And I remember, keep it together. You're here for these people. It's not about you. But music can pump you up. Music can take you down it can make you sad it can make you happy it can make you want to fight and that's the emotional power of of what you're getting to experience so when we play these songs 
I don't do this so that I get money. I do this because Metallica, in essence, kind of saved my life, right? And so I want to respect that music, and I want to share it with people who might be hurting. I've, I've counseled kids that their parents have come up to me when they heard my story and said, can you talk to my son? He won't talk to me. And they bring him to my show. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, well, you're going to be like, like only 300 miles away. Can I bring my son tomorrow? Would you talk to him before the show? I said, I'll talk to him before or after. What do you need me to do? And I have. I have counseled these kids and just said, look, I, I'm not the answer, but I've been in your shoes. And I know what it's like to hurt and feel like nobody in the whole world gives a shit about you. So it's it's about the family and, and what music can provide. You can't pick your parents. You can't pick your your relatives, right? But you can pick your music and you can pick your fight song. You can pick the things that are going to make you get through whatever the hell it is that you're trying to get through right now. And I chose music to get me through those darkest times of my life. So I really do, I, I try to relate to the people who, you know, at, reach out to me in, in email or, or in person or whatever and just say, look, if I did it, you can do it. You can. You really can. Music gives you something to hold on to when you don't have that hand on your shoulder from, say, an uncle or a coach at school or, or some positive adult figure. When they're not there, you need something to grab a hold, grab onto. And as funny as it sounds, that could be a riff. That could be James Hetfield's lyrics. It could be the way that he's singing a song. And I remember being 16 years old, and I kind of got strength through Hetfield and what he was expressing in his songs, and I felt like, okay, I, I can, you know, project a little bit of that in the world. You know, I'm, I'm bigger than I think I am. I'm stronger than I think I am. Not in a, a, a just purely physical sense, but you just, you kind of, heavy metal music in general, if it speaks to you, it can carry you through and give you a, a ray of light. Yeah, I, I agree. I think any music that helps you fight, any music that picks you up, even if it's sad lyrics, like, you know, I, I, Fade to Black can be interpreted more than this the way I just said. You you can interpret that in, in abstract ways, right? Even James said that. He goes, I don't want my lyrics to just pigeonhole into one aspect different people have different meanings to what he sings about. So yeah, you're right. Whatever you can latch on to, to make you mentally stronger. It's not about our muscles. The, the best muscle we have is between our ears, you know? So you, you make yourself strong between your ears and you can accomplish great things. And I don't care what helps you through. If it helps you through, it was a good thing. Even if it's a sad song, if it helps you through and you get onto the other side and you say, I am I'm still breathing. I can still do this. And you get your ass moving towards your goals. Because remember, the only thing that really stops us is our, our own limitations of belief. If you think you cannot do something, you're right. If you think you can, you'll figure out a way to do it. And that's how I live my life now, right? And I had to get away from the abuse and the negativity because the, the worst thing about living in a, a household where the you know, my mother didn't want us, but she kept us because the paycheck was good from the ex-husband, right? So the worst thing is not when you get hit. 
the pain of that goes away pretty quick. You know, a day, you, you get over it, whatever. You get swatted and, or you get smacked in the head. Uh, other things can happen that are worse. I understand that. And believe me, trust me, I, I don't want to go into the personal experience of what happened to me in my household. But those pains are healed physically. It's the mental abuse that sticks with you. When your parent says, I wish I had never had you. You're nothing to me. You're just a paycheck. Get in your room. Things like that, you never get away from. So you have to build yourself up somehow because she's not going to, or, or the, maybe, it's, maybe it's your dad doing it. Maybe you don't even live with your dad. Maybe it's an uncle. Like you say, hey, maybe the uncle doesn't want to help you because he could give a shit less what you're doing or what you're going through. You can get through it however you decide you're going to get through it. And, and a lot of us go to music or art or movies. I, I don't know. But if you can relate to something and you can dust yourself off and stand back up, then you can get through anything with that. And just remember that, you know, because the best person, the, the person that will never let you down looks at you in the mirror, in the mirror every day. That person's never going to let you down. That guy or that gal, you can always rely on that person. So if it's going to be, it's up to me. And you guys can do that too. And I know we got way off topic of music, but music. I love it. The music does this. The music does this to us, you know. And metal community is one of the best. I've been in rock shows. I've been at country shows even, which are weird for me because I'm not really in the country. But metal shows, these people, the camaraderie, the the manners the, the the civil the civility of people in a metal show people don't expect that they think oh you people are just rowdy satan worshiping you know weirdos and whatever and i'm like have you ever been to a metal show people are really cool probably even more polite and yeah. well-spoken than some of these rock shows that you hear about like people have been trampled to death at a pearl jam show yeah okay i don't remember anybody being killed at a metallica show and they're much, much bigger. So there's that, right? So we, we have a great community. The, the metal community, I think, is misrepresented by people who don't understand us and don't want to understand us, just want to assume they think they know who we are. Yeah. I agree. I, uh, I go to quite a few shows now by myself, and sometimes people ask me, you, really? You don't? I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I'm, I'm thinking, sure. do what? I mean, it's just um, speaking about the community— and this is true. I mean, other people go see uh, jazz or other forms of music by themselves and enjoy it, uh, sure. enjoy taking that in. But the metal community is real. And when you walk in to a venue like this, and I hope I'm speaking to someone who's kind of on the fence and they'd like to see the Four Horsemen and they see that they're coming to their town in a few weeks and they're thinking, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't ever really do that. I might feel out of place. No, you won't. It's... It, uh, you'll you'll feel welcome, and you'll see more people like you than you think you will. And uh, and once the music starts, trust me on this one, you won't regret it. Sean, I have kept you way too long. I appreciate the time you spent. Um, I can't wait to see you guys play tonight. How do you um, all the traveling and you're probably not getting the sleep all the time that you'd like to get. <laughs> Uh, do you have a diet that you stick to? Do you, how do you all keep doing this? And I think um, if anybody's out there wanting to hear the answer to this, <laughs> the answer is passion. 
It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what people say is possible for you. Um, I'll answer the, the diet. We try to pack, I try to pack sandwiches, chicken, salads, hard-boiled eggs. I, I pack a cooler, and I try to make that last as long as I can. We do go to Cracker Barrel. Like, that's a religious oh, yeah. thing for us, right? I actually, for us, well, three of us, we all eat pretty clean um, when we do our breakfast. It's a couple eggs, the sirloin steak, tomato slices, right? That's That was breakfast this morning. And when you're out on the road like this, you know, you're not making the money that Metallica's making. Believe me, people think, oh, you guys are making so much. We're not making all that much money. And there's a lot of expenses because we're in Pensacola tonight. I drove from Akron, Ohio last night to get down to Birmingham, Alabama. Your and hometown. My, my hometown is Cleveland, Ohio, but I live in Akron about an hour south of Cleveland right now. And, yeah, so we drove like 12 hours yesterday. I have family in Birmingham. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, okay. Asking, when are they coming to Birmingham? All right. Well, we were there last night sleeping at a Red Roof Inn. <laughs> so then we drove down here today, and that's when I had all the problems with my one of my tires uh, kept going low. So I've, I've got a valve stem that's got a tear in it. But we're going to make it to Texas tomorrow. So anybody listening for the Texas show tomorrow, we will be there. I don't care. Come hell or high water, we will be there. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, we travel a lot, and you just have to have that mindset that this is what you do. You know, we make enough money. Uh, everybody works on the side, you know, not like full-time regular jobs, but we all have had full-time regular jobs. I mean, before I did this, I worked in factory. I worked in recycling. I was a garbage man, literally. Um, I, I drove tow motor. I sheeted plastics in a sheeting factory. I did all kinds of stuff, and then I none of that worked out while I was writing my three albums, and then I, I said, okay, I'm going to cut my hair off and go back to school. I, I got an IT degree. I started an IT company, did that. So, I mean, we're regular people. I didn't grow up like Kirk Hammett only having a, a, a fast food job for a year, and then I went to be a rock superstar legend for the rest of my life. We don't live that way. you know. We're, we're regular people that want to spread joy. And that, I think, that passion is the thing that drives us to drive, literally, all over the freaking country. Uh, we want people to experience what it was like when Metallica was young and pissed off and broke and hungry. And they're not, I mean, James has even said, he goes, I don't write like that anymore because I'm not pissed off, I'm not broke, I'm not angry anymore. And he's a very, very um, wealthy individual, and I don't begrudge him any of his successes, he's He's had his ups and downs, you know. I think he was recently divorced maybe a year or two ago, and that's got to be hard. It's got to be hard, you know. And plus, you don't know what's going to happen with that. He had wife and beautiful kids, and it, it just it tears at the fabric of who you are. So he's a human being as well, and he's had his hardships. So I don't begrudge him for being wealthy. I mean, that's just one thing because millions of us latched onto his music. And it saved, some of us, it literally saved our lives. And it's like, how do you repay somebody? And all I can think of is honor the music. Do the music to the best of your ability and never half-ass it like my dad said. You know, it's like, give them a show. So we will kick your ass if you come to the show because I think that's what you need. And I think that's what people expect, you know. for I don't care if it's $20. I don't care if it's $15. I don't care if it's $50. If you come to one of our shows, you're not going to go home disappointed. We're going to give you everything we got. 
And uh, I think every band should do that because without the fans, Led Zeppelin wouldn't even be famous. Metallica wouldn't be famous. ACDC, name a band. I don't care what the name of the band is. If the fans didn't show up to see them at the local clubs, at the regional level, at the national and international level, they would never have the wealth or the fame or anything that they have if it wasn't for people like us. So that's what I always remember is remember your roots. Don't ever get snotty. Don't ever think you're a rock star. Just be a person because I know what it's like to be out in that crowd and just be blown away by a show, and that's what I want to give people. Well, Sean, thank you for your dedication to your craft, for what you do with the Four Horsemen, your performance. But really, man, in this conversation, I had no idea we were going to cover all this. But thank you for not giving up on yourself, for not quitting, considering where you came from and what you went through, and still finding something to hold on to to fuel that drive because here you are tonight getting ready to make memories for a lot of people that they'll leave here tonight driving home grinning ear to ear their necks hurting their mine was the last show and uh, what a great thing you're doing out there folks go to www.4horses.me is that correct is the website if you're on facebook four F-O-U-R, not the number four, the word four, fourhorses.me. And uh, if you're on Facebook, just look up The Four Horsemen, Metallica, and you'll land on the page, get all the updates. And be sure to comment if you're, you know, we do want you to put the devices down from time to time. But if you're checking out, if you had a great time at the gig, put a comment on there. Thank you so much, Sean, for your time tonight. And I can't wait to see you guys on stage. Hey, if you love that episode, tell a friend about it. I always appreciate you downloading and subscribing to the show. That way, you catch every weekly episode as soon as it's released. And if you hear a guest on this show and think, man, I wish Dan would have more people like that on this podcast, send me a note. Ask and you shall receive. DanTimePod at gmail.com at DanTimePod across the socials. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, or if you would like to appear on the podcast. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Sunday.